This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio. So some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available. But if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I am joined in the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast, Dr. Kernas. There is so much for us to talk about. The game on what with Watford on the weekend, nil nil, disappointing for a number of reasons, which we will get into. We're going to be speaking to Alan Lee, ex Palace player. Really delighted to have him on the show and get his take on the season so far and what he's making of the Eagles in this tough period. Even though they are free games unbeaten we're going to be doing a little bit of housekeeping other areas of news around Crystal Palace then looking towards that massive massive yeah. Super La Diaz already he, he cannot wait the game on Monday night he is a huge one of course it is Brighton and it, it's a big rival game we're going to we're going to be talking all about that don't worry we know it is epic we have to start at the top firstly DR don't think because we do a show every week and we get friendly that you can start texting me and start bashing me about <laughs> certain other football teams in the league let's just concentrate and keep it Crystal Palace again. Okay. Right. Let's just remember it on that. And it was nil-nil with Watford on the weekend. Mm. Everyone can look at the, the stats. I know, you know, we watch the game more intently than that. But people go, what is going on? Watford down there, you know, the two sides who haven't scored, you know, the, the least amount of goals in the Premier League. And that was summed up with no shots on target. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think about because if you actually look at stats alone and you look at the league table, you're like, this is 20 place Watford and they've conceded tons of goals already and struggling to score so and and, and now we're on their third manager this season exactly <laughs> and we couldn't take a shot on target which is simply not good enough uh, honestly I, I just you should be able to do better than that against um 20th place side but to be fair Watford did kind of shock me in a way because they just seem more up for it I mean they were pressuring us which I didn't expect on level where we struggled at times to get the ball to our key players and to come out our half. I mean, if you look at the stats itself, you can see that Watford, even the game on a whole, you can see that Watford had the better chances. And mm. on another day, Watford could have beaten us. But then again, I'm not going to get too carried away with it because we have performed good recently, um, even against Liverpool where we did lose. Uh, so let's just hope that it was just an off game um, and the Watford players were just up for it because Nigel Pearson was at a stand. But on Palace's half, it just wasn't good enough and we should have tried to have more shots on target, first of all. Yeah, maybe a new manager bounce before that new mm. manager is even officially in place. It's interesting because when you get a game like this, what do you take from it? You know, Do you look at a stat like that and you've watched the game, you were there and you look at the way they play and go simply not good enough no shots on target you know to a Watford side who are struggling or do you look at it as though 
No easy game in the Premier League. This is another clean sheet for Palace. We extend our unbeaten run. Do you take the positives? Do you take the negatives? Or is it a little combination of both, DR? Combination of both. I mean, you look at the game and you mentioned the clean sheet. And both Vicente Gaeta and Gary Cahill stood out once again. Brilliant. And I have to hold my hands up because when Gary Cahill was linked with a move to Palace, I said it. I wasn't too sure because of his age and the contract that we're giving him. But he mm. has proven me wrong. And I'm so happy for that. I'm happy that I could come here and I could say that Gary Cahill... He's been tremendous for us. And probably the signing of the season. I know we don't we didn't sign that no, many players. No, but it's true because but Nick always mentioned it, does he? You know, Nick Gillard, who's an important part of this show, he always says he's been absolutely brilliant at the back. And in your defence, DR, I think there was a few fans, you know, Palace fans, non-Palace fans, who went, mm, Gary Cahill. But he's been absolutely rock solid, hasn't he? He has. And I, I just didn't expect it on the level that he's performed yes he's a good player and he has done it before but the fact that he didn't play a whole year and he's managed to keep himself at a level where he can perform and save us literally him and Gaeta is just absolutely fantastic and another thing with Gary Cahill that sometimes may go unnoticed is the fact that he's a leader he has won things and you could see it by his comments after the game and he has had an impact on his team I don't think it's a coincidence of how we're, how we're playing and even the five game uh, five games against the top sides yeah they were against the top sides um, and you could say that we weren't expecting to get a result there but the fact that even after them five difficult games we still managed to come out and perform against the Burnleys and still managed to get the results that we needed I'm not saying it's all Gary Cahill but I feel like you look at the season as a whole and the comments that he's made after games and the, what players say about him and what the manager Roy Hodgson says about him it all sums up I mean he has done it before he has won and he's bringing that experience and that experience has been vital for us and the fact that we got him and clubs like Arsenal I mean they're talking about they David, linked, Lu- yeah. Yeah, David Luiz or Gary Cahill people were even speaking about Absolutely. it today it's just fantastic and great business great business by the club which we have criticised as fans at times including me on some of the business that we've done but this one was brilliant and Vicente Gaeta we got him on the free. Mm. Saved us once again. Shrewd business by Palace. You mentioned, you know, Gary Cahill, and he's such an interesting one because experience mm. outweighs everything, DR. And not just that, that, that experience is invaluable because, you know, it's, it's not just the young players, you know, bringing Roy's message across to the pitch. He, you know, he was managed by Roy in the national side. He knows that he's been there, he's done it all. There's nothing he hasn't seen, and he is a winner. Just times when maybe things aren't going Palace's way, just a cool head. He, he, he's just brought more than on, on the pitch, you know, his ability. He's brought key areas in other elements, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, we look at one player, Patrick Van Arno. I know he's been injured and didn't play against Watford. But mm. on the whole, this season, Gary Cahill has been mentoring him. And you could see at the games. I could notice at the games, he's very vocal at the back. And we even had this, this discussion about, can Gary Cahill and Mamadou Saka play together? Because both of them are alphas <laughs> and both of them are meant to be vocal. So, and when they have played together... Does it not work if you have twos, but you think uh, it should be one dominant? I'm not too sure, because when they have played together, it hasn't been as effective as you would think. But then again, you you have to consider the fact that Mamadou Sako, he's hardly played any football and we just threw him right in against Tottenham. So, But, I mean, Gary Cahill, you could talk about experience all you want, but he's got the talent as well. You can't take that away from him. He's got the talent and experience. That's what makes a great combination. And once again... You look at the Watford game, you're like, wow. Like, this guy, he could be out for a whole year and he could come back and have that influence in a game. That's what players should look out for, especially in youth. You should look up to Gary Cahill and should be like, all right, that should be me. And that's going to be vital because, all right, the youth players are not playing, but there are some youth players that do train with the first team. And having Gary Cahill next to them when they're training could help their development, which we have been talking about, saying that, look, these youth players haven't went out alone. Maybe for some of the defenders like Sam Woods, it's not the worst thing because you still got a quality player and Gary Cahill who you could teach them. Well, it is only December, but I think it's safe to say I know uh, who DR will be voting for for his Players Player <laughs> of the Year. Uh, play, fans Player of the Year, yeah. not Players Player, but DR, you might get a call up. You never <laughs> know to score some goals where Palace have been lacking. Yeah. We speak a lot about Roy on this show. You know, he's obviously a strong theme of the show. How he's doing the tactics, the subs, and how Roy sets up the difference home and away, and sometimes he's. He's, he's a little bit too conservative. But he did make a sub uh, on the weekend and you was quite surprised about it. Yeah, I thought I was getting <laughs> trolled when I heard the news that Jairo Riedewald was coming on at halftime. I mean, first of all, it's a halftime substitution. And second of all, Jairo Riedewald. Take a guess. When do you think the last time Jairo Riedewald played for Palace? In the Premier League? Ooh, I, you I, probably wouldn't. I don't think I'm going to get this, no. 
two seasons ago. Before before Watford game. But yeah, two seasons ago before the Watford game. So I, why has he come completely left field, completely out of the blue, now back into the fold? Uh, it was because of the because uh, of Jeffrey Schlupp's injury. I think mm. that's why he went. That's why he came on. But I mean, he came on, and uh, we look at Ismail Saar for Watford. He was brilliant on the day. Don't get me wrong. And even Jeffrey Schlupp with his pace struggled to keep up with him. But Jared Reedward came on, and I'm not saying he had a amazing game. That's not what I'm saying. But the fact that you have to consider that this man hasn't played football for two seasons, even coming off the bench in the Premier League, and the fact that he came on and he didn't look completely out of place was enough for me to see that he should have more chances. And he has been professional. We're going to talk about another player later on in Serloff, who has talked about the club in a negative way, in my opinion. Mm. But Jared Reedworld has been professional. He has been on the bench a lot recently, but still, no one would consider Jairo Reedwell coming on. I think I feel like every Palace fan has given up on him. And I don't blame them. I'm included because he hasn't been in Roy's plans. Frank De Boer signed him. And ever since Roy has come in, he's not... I'm not too sure what it is, but he's not his type of player. And he hasn't given him the opportunity. But from now on, I just want to see Jairo Reedwell get more opportunities than just to play one game off the bench in two in two seasons in the Premier League because he has got a bit of quality in him. He went from the Europa League final to ended up in Roy's dungeon and <laughs> and I, I, I mean, don't know if any, anyone play. wants to be in, yeah, in Roy's exactly. dungeon. Well, Max Meyer, Camarasa are there as well. So. There's, a, there's a few players. He's, he's yeah. got a few of them uh, locked down there. Can he make an impact now? Then because you know you're saying he's gone from you know Europa League finals. You know he was signed yeah. by another manager. They, you, you've written him off and and because we wasn't seeing him. Yeah. Is there a way then going forward now the season moving on we will see more of him. I Not think, just because of of injuries, maybe he no. can force his way back into into at least you know the, the bench maybe in, into consideration. If we're talking about bench, then yes, we would see him on the bench. But in terms of serious chances, put some respect on his name. <laughs> put some respect on him. Yeah, but in terms of serious chances, I honestly don't see him getting it. Um, and that's me saying that him coming off the bench and making an impact. And the thing is, Jared Ridwood has had some good games for us. One game that is stuck in my head is the Man City game at home where we drew nil-nil with them and could have won it. Uh, I think that was uh, well, it was probably two seasons ago, isn't it? That's the last time we played in the Premier League. But he hasn't looked out of place when whenever he has played. So it is quite shocking the fact that he doesn't get the chance. I'm not saying start him every game, but why isn't he in Roy's favour then? What what does I don't know we don't know what yeah. Roy's thinking, but from from you being around it all so much. Why would he not seem like he's the anti-Roy player? Because Roy clearly, you know, he's not even gave him like a, a, a fair crack at the whip. Honestly, you have zero clue because when he has played, he has looked decent. And his position is not left back. He's he's a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Let's get that straight. So he was playing out of position against Watford in the first place. And he's probably, probably going to play there against Brian as well, which is quite worrying for me because I I don't know about that one. Um, hopefully, Jeffrey Schlopp is back. But... In terms of midfield, so he would ideally take Luka Milivojevic's role. And we've talked about Luka Milivojevic in, in the past and we've said how we haven't gi- given him the proper game management and haven't rested him in time. So we brought in James McCarthy and as a result, I don't think that his role would change. I feel like Roy favours J- uh, McCarthy ahead of Jairo Reederworld. And for that reason, the only best solution for Riederwald is to go out there and play for another team and hopefully with these limited chances that he gets he proves himself because I feel bad for the guy I mean he's still young I think he's only 23 years old so he's got a huge amount of potential but unless something drastically changes and Roy's like alright let me include you in my plans I, it's not going to happen well it's an interesting one because you know you, we, we spoke about him reaching the final we sold this Premier League mm. dream Palace dream and it, it's not quite worked out for him I know change of managers but it, it's really kind of not falling in his favour hence why your sympathy yeah 100% um, I mean he's got he in terms of Jair Riedward there was a thing in the summer where people were saying he looked a bit big in friendly games and his body yeah that's what they were saying mm-hmm. uh, so, a bit too long it, of a pre-season for yeah mm. a bit of a fitness concern there but despite that happening he still comes on and he still performs so I don't know what else can you expect from him I know he's played in a couple under 23 games and uh, one of our uh, people from back of the nest, Mike, he tends to watch under 
23 games and he said that he hasn't really performed in that level mm. but then then again you can't always rely on under 23 games I mean imagine your player and you're constantly told to play with the young hard the young, to motivate yeah. yourself exactly you're always playing with the youngsters and you're never going to really get a chance in the first team but the fact that that's all happened and he still hasn't been all sulky and moany and coming out to the press has been encouraging to see and hopefully Roy looks at that because Roy talked about it and he has said that he has been a great professional so Roy if he has been a great professional just give him a chance just oh, give him a chance I love the way you put it he was so firm so passionate Roy <laughs> if you're listening Love Sport Radio HQ <laughs> at the towers here the office get him out of your dungeon just give the man a chance free, an eagle. Free, free, <laughs> free. we're going to start a movement hashtag yeah. free the man uh, what do you make of it though Eagles fans because this on the fan show it's your say have your opinion tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 70 20 558 for the fans by the fans Love Sport Radio you are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast, DR Kernas. So much to talk about. We were talking about the disappointing 0-0 with Watford on the weekend, but it is Palace free game unbeaten streak. That does continue, and it does continue into the Super Monday Night Clash with Brighton. We're going to be talking about that one in just a moment's time. But first, though, another special guest has joined us on tonight's show. It is Alan Lee, ex-Palace player. Alan, it's a real highlight for us to get you on. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. What have you made of the Eagle season so far? Uh, hi, Charlie. Um, well, I've been trying to keep up with this. Um, I just think, you know, I know on match of the day they're doing a bit about they're highlighting how hard to beat they are. Um, I just think for a club like Palace to be in the position of the Premier League and looking up, I suppose, rather than behind them, um, is just so important. So, you know, it seems like Roy Hodgson, I've not, I've not been to a game this season. Um, James Scowcroft says he's going to bring me over Christmas. But um, I think this sounds like they've a traditional setup, hard to beat, solid back four, Cahill at the back, but with that bit of magic um, from Wilf, um, able to break the deadlock. So um, I don't know, but my impression is I think the fans must be really happy with the position in, in the league. I, I don't know what your feeling is. Hi, Alan. Um, just quickly looking at your time at Palace, of course, you joined from um, Ipswich uh, in around two, 2008 um, and came back, um, went back on loan in 2009. You, ha- you didn't have the, the longest time at Palace, but what do you make of your time at Palace? And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, well, it's 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 a funny. It was a roller coaster ride because you know I don't mind admitting this. I arrived, got injured in my first session, hmm. tore my hamstring three times, and I was a disaster. Um, first season, um, I let everyone down. You know, I wasn't myself, um, and really, I thought that was it. Um, and to be fair to Neil Warnock, uh, he never um, he never he never fell out with me. You know, he, he kept the door open. And although I think going into the start of the next season, the intention was still for the club to sell me or me to go. Um, there hadn't been a problem between me and I got on well with the lads. So it was kind of fate, really. I'd done all right in pre-season, but I wasn't starting the first game. Um, and uh, I came on with about half an hour to go, I think, in the first game of the season, scored the winner. And 
I kind of never looked back, really. It took me a few games to really win the fan the fans over. I didn't score a load of goals, but I just... I felt we played in a style that I knew I could have a good game every game. Mm. Um, it was a really simple role. Um, I played my back-to-goal, win flick-ons, um, get it to Victor Moses, Darren Ambrose, let them do something special. And I, I can't say... I've, I don't think I've enjoyed a season more um, in my playing career as that, as, as that season and the feeling after the last day. Um, it, it was just so... It was, it was really, really special. You know, and I still think of the fans that day, um, my teammates, Neil Warnock, Paul Hart, all the wonderful people that um, got to share that experience with. So um, I'm, I'm really proud of the way I turned it around. Yeah, absolutely. You, you did turn it around, scoring that header, you know, and, and, and saving Palace from relegation. You know, what a slow start. And you mentioned that yourself. And then almost becoming like a, like a cult hero on the terraces for the fans. Alan, it's interesting, though, because at the start of the show, we, we're talking about players coming in from the cold and injuries and trying to force their way into Roy's plans. You as a player that, that had uh, bad injuries and you came back from that. How hard is it when a manager does go another way and then he trusts those players that are playing for him regularly? How hard is that to to get your name back on that sheet and, and become one of the favourites again? Listen, I, I think I think it's really hard for centre forwards as well and certain sort of characters. So, you know, for me, I'd know if the manager wasn't having me, and you know, I've been in that position, and and I've had it the other way as well. So, like playing for Joe Royal, I knew that he raced me, um, and I loved playing for him, and I'd run through brick walls, you know. I knew I'd to win Neil Warnock round, but I think that's the skill in Neil Warnock. He never made it personal when he wasn't when he, when he when he dropped me or when he wasn't playing me. And after a few games, when I'd won him round again, he was the first one to say, Do you know what? Well done. I'll thank you and kinda of give give you that you know, he had that he had that magic in knowing what to say to, to people at the right times. So it's difficult. And sometimes you struggle. Look, like for me, it was, um, you know, getting on that pitch in the first game, something like, you know, a cross landing on my head, scoring the winner. Um, you need to be in the right place at the right time. But it's, um, it, it's, it's not easy. And I've had it go the other way at clubs. Hi, Alan. Just with the, as you mentioned, the goal against uh, Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough, um, going into the game, what was that like? I mean, such em- enormous pressure on the players and also you could sense it in the stands as well with, uh, with the Palace fans um, travelling up there. What was it like? Well, yes, but you have to remember, there, there was a, it was a certain sort of pressure. The game meant the world to us, absolutely. And all the preparation, the, the lead-up to us, um, I mean, going into Hillsborough... And seeing so many, I mean, there was so many TV companies from around the world. So normally, when you're in the background, there's kind of one TV um, broadcasting station, one big van with a satellite dish. But the car park was full with broadcasting dishes, you know, in, um, you know, on trucks. And you said this feeling, well, this, thing, this is going, all, this is going all around the world here. Now, there, our fans are right behind us, so. There was like an understanding. There was something that happened that year. The fans, the connection between the players, um, how everyone had to dig really deep. That the fans were behind us. So, you know, I would have felt if, if we'd lost that game, we had the impression those fans would applaud us off because they, they knew we'd done everything we could. That we shouldn't have been in this position, but we'd gone into administration, lost 10 points. So that, that was massive. Um, you know, the Sheffield Wednesday players were going to that game, though their fans are gonna are gonna be paying for blood if they get relegated. So that helps. Um the fans played a massive part. Um so you're still under pressure, but you you know, you go into a game though you've not let people down the season, which is makes it easy makes it easier for you. Uh we're talking about another player right now, Wilfred Zaha, what do you think is best for his career? There's so many ex-Palace players and managers that talk about Zaha. He's been linked with a move to Chelsea. Do you think that that would be the right move for him or do you think that he should hold on and wait for another team? Um, you know, it's it's a really difficult one with 
kind of obviously when Will Friend to Man United didn't quite work out for whatever reason, I think that adds weight to the dilemma here. Hmm. Um, there's no question. I mean, he is an ex- he is a special player. I think he could be world class. But what I mean by that, that is, you know, could he play? I, I think he quite possibly could play for Real Madrid or a Barcelona. Or no disrespect to Chelsea right now, they're not quite in in that bracket. Um, so. It would be kind of a shame to see him move to Chelsea. I'm not sure which way they're going to go for the next few years. I hope they do really well. I really like Frank Lampard, um, but you know, I just think well, he, he, he can he can possibly do a little bit better. I just hate to see him leave Palace and kind of go through the same process again. So um, you know, as what happened at Man United, um, but there's no doubt about it. When you look at people like um, you know. Playing like Gareth Bale, I think I think he I think he could be more effective than him in wide areas. I, I don't see why he couldn't play for, you know, one of those really really top clubs. Yeah, absolutely, Alan. And just quickly, a uh, long way to go in the season. It is only December. What 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 can Palace realistically achieve for the rest of the year? What what can they expect? Well, so I always say this. You know, I've, I've I left Ipswich Town this time last year, um, a club. But I suppose traditionally um, a similar size to Crystal Palace. Um, and if you look at where they are now, you know, because they haven't been, they haven't been in the Premiership in X amount of years, um, I think it, it's just so important and such an achievement for Palace to build, to have the spell in the Premier League and stay there. And um, I know fans and people, you want to grow and you know, get better and maybe challenge for Europe. But I mean, it's it's first and foremost the stability that getting being in that Premier League year after year and slowly getting better and better and improving the facilities like I know they are and the academy. Um, you know, I think that still has to be the priority. Um, do I see them challenging for Europe? I don't. Uh, you know, I I don't know. Um, I'm actually looking forward to watching them over Christmas, but. Um, I, I just I'm really happy to see a really healthy club in a stable position, um, and uh, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, Alan, I, I do have to agree with you. That is the most important thing, especially in today's footballing world, 2019. Alan, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we know you're a busy man. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time, Alan Lee. There, brilliant in that in that short spell at Palace, just absolutely fantastic, especially in that season, Dr. Where just I'm sure it's, it's still vivid in your uh, memory. Can you imagine just? Going into a game such as the Sheffield, <laughs> like that is crazy. Like it's the just... fact that, but the, it's interesting though the fact that he's uh, he said how there wasn't that much pressure on the players. Because... I, I, I love that bit. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, you yeah. know, you're expecting, you know, and, and this is why you ask these questions because you're expecting oh so much pressure and. You know, of insight like into like footballers' lives, it's just yeah, it's ma- amazing. Yeah, massive there, Sam. No pressure because the, the fans knew that they mm. they gave their very best. Well, they did come out with it. Uh, brilliant to hear from Alan Lee. But we're going to be looking uh, towards a little bit more of that Watford game because uh, Dr's got a few things that he feels like he left unsaid. So I think you're going to want to stay around for that. And then we will be uh, previewing the game. It is Brighton. I keep mentioning it, but it is a big one. Adam Stenning will be joining us from the Argus newspaper. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast. Lone representative tonight, but it is the man in the know, is Dr. Kernaz. And well, we looked at the Watford game and he said, mm, not good enough. Shots on target. And we spoke to Alan Lee and Dr. just said, look, we have to go back to the Watford game because there's something I want to get off my chest, DR, and I can see it's, it's bubbling bubbling up inside you. It's boiling over. You have been waiting. Here is your moment to shine. What is your problem with the game? Martin Atkinson, <laughs> I have had enough. I mean, with some, you know, not every decision is going to be correct. I understand that. But this man against Arsenal, when Wilfred Zaha got fouled straight away get, said that it was a dive when you could see that there's clear contact for the love of God we're playing in the Premier League the best league in the world and we have referees that are this shockingly bad Watford 
everyone knew what was going to happen with Wilfred Zaha Watford because they do every single game. They went in that game with the mindset, we're going to kick Wilfred Zaha. And I'm pretty sure Troy Deeney has said it before because it's an easy way to get to him and try to contain Wilfred Zaha, yeah? So referees should know this as well. I mean, they have talks before the game. Everyone knows it. So they went into this game with the same plan and they're kicking Wilfred Zaha and there's so many incidents. I don't know where to start. First of all, there's an incident where he's not even looking. He's not looking. And Wilfred Zaha, he gets tripped up by Cabaselli. And he turns around, gives a foul and awards Wolf the yellow card when he is kicked to the ground. And I am sorry. There's only so much that could get away and so many poor decisions that could get away. But with Martin Agerson, I honestly feel like there's an agenda. And what annoyed me the most is the fact that he's going to be the VAR referee for the Brighton game. How? How? He had a shocker. He had the absolute shocker. And it's not normal. It's, it's seriously not normal. There's players that's kicking Wilfred Zaha when he's on the floor and he's still not giving them yellow cards. But when Wilfred Zaha gets fouled and he's not looking, how can you make a decision when you're not even looking? Do you know how crazy that sounds? I mean, even in a Sunday league game, that wouldn't happen. Honestly, like, I'm, I feel like to let out and laugh, but that's how angry I am because it's, I'm not going to blame him for the result. But honestly, you can't be that bad in the Premier League. You can't reward this referee and say, come on in and do, be the VAR uh, referee for the Palace versus Brighton game. Such a big game for us when... Every single game he feels like he has a uh, ref for us has been shocking. I just don't have no faith in him. And I feel like Palace should have took this a bit further. I know this sounds petty, but it's not only one game. He, As I've said, he has had games where he has been awful for us. Palace should take it further and they should have actually asked the FA what's going to happen because this is unacceptable. Why is he... Is he going to referee our further games? Is the explanation for some of his decisions? Because I really want to know. I want to know how are you booking a player when you're not seeing him and you're not seeing the foul how well it's it's a strong uh debate and argument from the i was i was just sitting here just you know hanging on every word i i I must admit i I got a little bit scared you started pointing quite a lot uh, uh, through that and i didn't know if you know i was sort of the martin atkinson image for you but you mentioned the word agenda you said he has an agenda against crystal palace do you feel that that is true where's that come from other games you just feel like well the Arsenal game, for example, is Wilfred Zaha. But is it just based on one game where you feel like there's a catalogue of games it, now where it's, Atkinson it's build, seems to be doing the same thing? It's building up. It's building up. You started the Arsenal game and uh, correct, I'm not too sure. I'll have a double check, but I, f- I think he might be in the referee for one of the Southampton games between us and Southampton. And again, Wilf, he, he went against him there as well. But the Arsenal game, for example, the way that he didn't even hesitate and called it a dive when it wasn't a dive, there was a clear leg out there. And then you go to this game and it's not one incident. It's not the fact they gave Wolf a yellow card for um, for him getting fouled, which sounds crazy. But there were times when he was on the floor, he couldn't have control of the game. And it's not it's not him and Palace. It seems like it's him and Wilfred Zaha. I don't know what's going on, but there clearly seems like there's something there because you can't be that bad. You can't be that one-sided against one player that much. And you know what? I feel for Wilfred Zaha because honestly, if I was him that day, I wouldn't have been able to contain myself and he slightly lost it towards the end. And what annoys me is the fact that Wilf has said recently that he just wants to focus on his game. But I'm sorry, he's a human being. There's only so much you can do until you're like, all right, enough is enough. I'm not getting protection. What is going on, ref? And you know, he showed that. He showed that and I don't blame him. And if that happens again, go ahead, Wolf. Do it again. You know what? Because it's unacceptable. Really is crazy that we're talking about how bad a referee is and we're in the best league in the world with the amount of money that's coming in and we're having these types of, these types of conversation about referees. It's just out of my mind. How? When you think that, you know, maybe it, there's something between Martin and Wilf, where do you think that these things come from? Because we, we, we've we heard of it before. We know there are stories, you know, refs clearly do have players mm. that, you know, they enjoy talking to. And, you know, there's players that they, they don't maybe enjoy refereeing and they think, yeah, you know, he's a diver or he's this or the way that he's back-chatted me and spoke to me. And if there this is true, because we don't know, and yeah. it well could be we true, you yeah. know, 
when when does it become a point and where is the line drawn that the league does have to look into his palace do have to write because after a while it does become a conflict of interest because you and Wilf, you know, whoever's right, whoever's wrong, it doesn't matter. You have a history there, so it's not going to help either way and we need the game to be officiated fairly and neutral. I just want us to stand up to this. I mean, we're going to see it again on Monday night. He's going to be influencing it. Um the game, as I said, is going to be a VAR referee. But honestly, Monday night is going to be a big game for him because he came off this Watford game, he came off the Arsenal game, and you're like, what on earth has just happened? Mm. So I feel like the tipping point is probably going to be the Brighton game. Can he actually be a Premier League quality referee and make decisions and do his job? <laughs> if he can't, then Palace should take action. Uh, it's what, is, he, is he been announced he's in charge for the Brighton game as well? Yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. Next game, he's a VAR referee. Oof. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you Sorry, come I off... Sorry, mis- I mis- misheard that. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You come off a shocking game against us where you, you made a decision based on nothing and then he's rewarded another Palace game. Hmm. I mean, yeah, but it feels like it's quite a lot of Palace games because Arsenal wasn't ages ago. But now what? For, no. Technically, he's the VAR referee, so he's not at the game itself, yeah. but he still has an influence. I mean, we talk about VAR. VAR yeah. is a big part it's of the game. Part. And another thing is that, you, honestly, I feel like Watford should have been given a penalty in the final minutes, and VAR because it's how inconsistent it is. Well, that was is Mark, it, yeah. Martin. He was he was trying to win, yeah, win you back. It, it, win you back. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like VAR does have a big part in the game. And he's going to be in charge of that again. So, I mean, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? It's just... it's just. What did Roy have to say about it? Because obviously, you know, we know what Will's feelings are on it. And we know, I know it was all over social media, Palace fans saying exactly the same as you about the treatment of Wolf in the on the weekend and how teams clearly target him. You know, Troy Deeney's always spoke about, this, spoke about this. He makes comments about mm. players and teams. So, you know, you're saying that there was an agenda from Martin. There was an agenda from Watford also. Yeah, I mean... He's see it every game against Watford they just target Wilfred Zaha there's a hatred towards him um, but in terms of what Roy said after the game I'm not too sure about that I'm not too sure if he said anything about it um, but if I'm thinking about Roy would he say anything so negatively about a referee I don't think so he's a classy man and I respect Roy Hodgson for that but during the game you could see that Roy was telling Wilf to calm down and bringing him down that shouldn't happen in the first place it really shouldn't happen in the first place because the referee should have control of the game. You're refereeing this game mm. as a Premier League game. It's important for both sides. It's important for Watford because they're 20th place. Every point matters. And it's important for Palace as well because we want to push on. Every Premier League game is important when you look at it that. But when the referee doesn't have a control over the game, then that becomes a problem, a massive problem for me. Because we're not playing in the Championship with all due respect, not playing in League One, not playing in League Two, best league in the world, with one of the best players in the world in this league. So we have to make sure that our standards, refereeing standards, match that as well. Because if it doesn't, then it just spoils the game, just like it did on Saturday. Strong words from DR. Absolutely heartfelt and passionate, but he's so right, you know. There needs to be no agendas from refs and other teams maybe targeting the Palace star man. We're going to look uh, towards the Brighton game in just a minute. Uh, Adam Stenning is joining us. Uh, But before that... um, if he does lose his head, does lose his call, will this be an issue that Roy will have to, you know, because I think Wolf's the ultimate professional, but in games like this, if if more teams are going to do this, you know, is it a way that Roy will have to change his system, maybe look at bringing Wolf off because he don't want there a case to be, he gets sent off, he's suspended, ETC. Uh, no, not really. But another thing that he got yellow card and that could build up and towards the end of the season, he might get one game suspension and it might be a vital game. Uh, but I don't think that, that will happen. I think Wolf has calmed down, but as I said, he's a human and he's right to be frustrated, especially if decisions like that are made. Uh, but I feel like Roy is a good manager and he keeps Wolf down to earth when he does lose himself. Absolutely. Well, it is Brighton on Monday. What a super clash that is. We're going to get the Palace perspective, but we're also getting the Brighton perspective because Adam Stenning from the Argos newspaper joins us next for the Monday Night Clash. We've all got one and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. The Opposition View on Love Sport. 
That's right, it's time for the opposition view, and I've got a funny feeling this is going to be a good one. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with DR Kernas from the Back of the Nest podcast. Well, it is Brighton, it is Monday night, the Monday night clash under the lights, and it is the game of the season where Palace fans, they get their fixtures and they think, when are we playing Brighton? And here we are, it's going to be a fiery one. The teams don't really like each other, it's the one game they look for, Adam uh, Stenning joins us now, uh, uh, correspondent for the Argus newspaper. And I've got to say, Adam, I'm guessing Brighton feel the same way. Am I right? Yeah, no, I think they feel exactly the same way. They always look. That's one of the fixtures they always look for um, on the calendar. It's always it's always an entertaining game. Um, no love lost between the two two teams. So, um, so yeah, it should be an entertaining fixture with how both teams are playing at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously a little bit of added spice. Both teams in the Premier League now, you know, much more coverage on it and everyone sort of, you know, it's on TV now. And after last year, there's there's a little bit more added spice, isn't there? Yeah, no, there certainly is. There, um, you know, with I think especially with Brighton now, with, with uh, Graham Potter now, they're much more attacking. So they'll they'll be looking to take the game a bit more to Palace than they were um, last time round, so um, you know they won't sit back as much. They'll be on the front foot. You know they've got good sort of attacking players and players that Palace won't have seen last season. In the likes of Aaron Connolly and Stephen Alzate, who've broken through into the first team, and obviously um, Palace have, have done quite well so far this season. So it should be quite good to see what happens. Actually, I hate to admit this, but last season Brighton did get the better of us, and um, of course that was under Chris Hughes. And you mentioned Graham Potter. What's exactly changed this season? I know you got on, uh, you brought in uh, Neil Mopé. Um I watched one or two games there, and then, of course, I'm not going to watch every Brighton game. But from the outside looking in, it seems like there's there's a whole system change. Um, as you mentioned, you're more attacking, but it seems like there's more belief in the players as well. Yeah, no, there's um, there is that sort of well, there's that shift obviously from that they've had to get used to from last season, where with against especially like big sides where you go away to like a Man City or somewhere and you'd go right we'll sit back we'll see what how long we can stay in this game and see what we can get out of it whereas this season under Potter is attack 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 take it to teams you know and if you're going to lose have a go losing sort of thing and lose you know trying to attack and get on the front foot against teams and that's worked for Albion this season so far against the big sides but yeah no it's a complete different system change it's more attacking football it's it's a different system. So there's there's a three at the back sometimes. There's there's four at the back. There's five at the back. It all depends on you know how Potter's seen. He's it's hard to call his team selections half the time because he does love to sort of spring a surprise on you. So if there's there's sort of one player that you think oh he's probably not gonna be involved or something, and then he goes and springs a surprise of someone oh well, I didn't think he was gonna you know start or something like that. Just just to sort of mix it up and sort of he's he's sort of invested in these younger players and you know Neil Mapay is is one of those who's you know starting to fire some goals in and he's got Aaron Connolly as well who's come through um, from the academy sort of the under 23s and um, seems to be a sort of he's a real menace with his sort of pace and his harrying and then you've got Stephen Alzate who's very composed for his uh, for his age and is now a sort of senior international like Connolly. So, um, so it's good, really. It's, it's sort of there's a lot of changes gone on, but they're all for the better so far. How how confident are you um, going into this game? Um, of course, I think there's I think there's more pressure on Palace than Brighton in a way. After I mean, as I've said, I feel like Roy Hodgson did get outmanaged by Chris Sutton last last two games uh, last season. Um, what's the mood like amongst um, Brighton fans going into this game? Well, I think they'd be very buoyant. They've they've coming off the back of two very good results. Obviously, Sunday they drew against Wolves, but you know they came from one nil down, went two one up. Obviously, let that lead slip. But you know they to go up against the Wolves side, who were seven unbeaten in all competitions going into that game, and you know were six in the league going into that. You know to get a point out of that before the game, a lot of Brighton fans would have bitten your hand off. And obviously, the Arsenal result as well on Thursday was a big big sort of confidence booster as well you know to finally get that that result away at a sort of top side you know to go to a top side and get get a win which they've been you know unlucky sort of this season not to pick up more points I guess from those those bigger sides because they went very close against Liverpool to potentially getting a point if not more if they they could have gone on and got another goal they might have even gone on and got three if they 
wanted to against 10 men of Liverpool. So, you know, there's there's sort of real belief in that side that they can go into any game and get points out of anybody and beat anybody. And, um, you know, I think I think they'll be very confident going into it. And the fans are certainly confident going into most games now, whether whoever you face, whether it's Liverpool, whether it's Palace, whether it's, you know, Norwich, you, it doesn't matter who you face, they're, they're as confident as they would be facing top of the league because they are bottom of the league. So... But yeah, it's sort of uh, a lot of confidence going into the game from both fans and players. Yeah, absolutely. And Brighton seem to have a knack of getting a result, you know, against the big clubs and at the right time, beating Spurs, beating Arsenal, as you said, you know. So they've got a good result in them. They're playing this good football under Potter. They have had in different form, a little bit like Palace, but both teams will go for it on Monday night. But it was interesting that in this managerial merry-go-round, managers getting sacked at the minute, left, right and centre in the Premier League, Brighton gave a new six-year deal to Potter. What did you make of that? Um, well, I think like sort of many people, we we were surprised that he he got the um, deal because he was only just you know uh, six months into the deal he signed when he joined in the summer, that which was a four year deal. So it, they've extended that by another two years, meaning that if he stays the whole length of the contract, he'll be there till twenty twenty five. But I think the club they put it down to the impressive impressive start of the season. It has been a pretty good start to the season, um, but. You know, I think it's also that thing of they're showing their faith in him. I think Tony Bloom's a real fan of him um, by what, what I've heard from him. And I think a lot of the board members are sort of behind him and they love the style of football he's playing and the way that he's um, bringing the youngsters through and using the academy to his, to the best of his um, ability. Because, I mean, in the sort of cup games, in the Carabao Cup, he used, I think he named about 10 or 11 youngsters in the squad. So... You know, this was a mixture of under 23, some even under 18s that are making a step up and playing against teams like Aston Villa in the third round of the, the Carabao Cup. And although they didn't get the result that night, it's it's good to see the future of the, of the you know, future sort of players coming through and seeing fans seeing what they're made of under the lights at the Amex. So, so that 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 I think is why they've they've gone for it. And obviously, it's probably also to ward off other clubs in a way a little bit in. You know, with managers going at the minute, you know, I'm sure Potter would would be a name that a few clubs would potentially look at because he plays a style of football that, you know, is now an attractive style of football and a lot more clubs are wanting to play. You know, you see the likes of Man City playing attacking football and this sort of passing football and possession football. And, you know, he, he's one of those managers who can go up and who's done that and he's shown that at Swansea and Austin's and now, you know, with with Brighton and hopefully um, hopefully long may it continue where do you see the game being won and lost on Monday night um, well I think I think defensively Brighton have got to be solid um, given the form of obviously Wilfred Zahar is going to be is always a key threat to uh, watch out for for Brighton because he's always uh, he seems to love playing against Brighton he's always one of the players that seems to do something against against Brighton but I mean Lewis Dunk is uh, in the form of probably his career and his life at the minute he's he's showing um, sort of he's been given the skipper's armband where Bruno's retired now and he's sort of flourishing under Potter he's he's playing a lot of these a lot more of these long passes and that and he seems to be getting involved um, going forward as well but I think that will be a key battle as well um corners as well because Brighton are Sort of very threatening from set pieces now because you look at the defenders now and it's I think the smallest in that in those sort of four central defenders now is a six foot four Adam Webster who's already scored two goals himself both from set pieces so you've got him Dunk you've got Duffy who's in and out of the side and um, given how Webster's come in and performed and then you've got Dan Byrne at six foot seven he's always a a handful um, and will be running up and down those flanks. I think I think the wide areas will be key as well because you've got, let's say, Dan Byrne on that side. You've got Leandro Trossard, the summer signing, who's um, who's he's lacked a bit of consistency in some games. He's done really well, and in others, he hasn't quite hit the mark that he wants to. But he's one of those players that seems to have the ball glued to his feet and go in and out, and he can, you know, provide that sort of death finish. And then I think um, on the other side, you've obviously got um, Alzate, who uh, has been playing right back the last couple of games and doing a good job. He's very composed and likes to get up and down and uh, in these sort of wing-backs slash sort of full-back area depending on what formation they go with. So that'll be a key area and the Palace will have to keep an eye on the, uh, on the strikers because Neil Mapay 
always puts himself about and is a handful. He's not the sort of most... Um, he doesn't look like the most physical of strikers, but he does get himself involved and put himself about. And Aaron Connolly, if he plays, will be will be a will be a threat with his pace and nuisance. And obviously, you've got um, ex Palace striker Glenn Murray on the bench, who who has a knack of scoring goals, especially against his old club. So he, um, Palace will be wanting to watch out for him, given what he did last season as well. Well, absolutely. Well, there's only three points that separate him, but very very quickly, Adam, what is your score prediction? Oh. I... I'm I'm thinking, if I'm being realistic, I'd go for a, I'd like I, I reckon a high score in two all draw, but I've got this funny feeling Brighton might just nab it. So I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna go Brighton to nab it, I'd go two one Brighton. Oh, you snatched it at the end, Adam. Always a joy to speak to you, Adam. Standing there, uh, Brighton and Hove correspondent for the Argus newspaper. He went for a Brighton snatch. Dr. But it doesn't matter what he says because the last word, my friend, as always, falls on you. Prediction. Do you want me to be honest? Always oh, I'm always honest. I'm you always, are always yeah, honest. You are. You see it. And uh, I must say, we got you on the show last week. You was at the game. You said please, one nil. Thank you. And it was one nil, yeah. my man. You said you was going to get. And a game two one as well. Yeah, right, right, right. go against. Me. Yeah, go right. on. But Brighton, be honest. Oh, two one Brighton. I don't know what. Oh, yeah, I, honestly, was that your no, honest take? No. Yeah, I, I, is, is it that what right we waited for the yeah. whole show for you to it's end just it? On that. It's, just, the, it's the game we're looking for. Yeah, it's the game we went for. Don't give it to it them. It might be two one Palace as well, but honestly, I just see it two one Brighton. I don't oh, I know why. Don't right. ask me. Don't worry, Eagles fans, because I know you're locked in. I'm going for Palace two 0 There you go. I'll, I'll <laughs> leave it on a high. Although James will say always get it wrong. This has been the Crystal Palace fan show, as it is every Tuesday eight till nine. I was joined with Dr. Kernas from the Back of the Nest podcast. We will be here at the same time as well every week right here on Love Sport Radio. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.